You can totally do this. You have to pause and ask yourself, what is the story I'm telling myself here? And more importantly, is that story true? We don't want the thing. We think we want the thing, but what we really want is the feeling we think the thing is gonna give us. It is that simple. It is that complicated. It is so much easier than you think it's gonna be. Clarity in what you want, confidence in who you are, and the courage to stay true to both. This is To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) Okay. Hello and welcome back to the show. It is a very exciting time to be here on To Call Myself Beloved. As I recently found out, we hit top 50 in Canada and within the top 10 in Estonia. And this is like, you know, I kind of laugh when I say Estonia, um, but it's such a big deal. I don't, I don't know why that cracks me up. This podcast has been in the top 100 of my gosh, how many countries, Canada, Estonia, uh, Cayman Islands, the UK, and I think Australia. One person here recording some thoughts, some really helpful mindset advice for, um, you know, ambitious adults who really want to make a difference in their life, who really feel like most things are going pretty well and there's just something they can't quite put their finger on, right? That's where I come in. I help people level up. And usually when people come to me, almost all the time, actually, when people come to me, they're not quite sure of what that next level looks like, but they know it exists and they know they need to get there. They just don't necessarily know how. And so they hire me to help them get to that next level. One of the recurring themes in leveling up when I do private coaching with people is this theme of communication in relationships. So many of us are like total rock stars at work. You know, I I attract a lot of entrepreneurs and self-starters. Really ambitious people tend to work with me and follow me, which is amazing. And, um, you know, very purpose-driven. They want to elevate their impact. Usually they're just total bosses at work. And also, usually, there's some kind of like glitch in communication, either in a family relationship or an intimate partnership. Maybe it's a parental relationship, what on um, either going up or going down, whatever it is. There's some kind of a communication block. And um, last week, I put out a call out on Instagram. If you don't follow me, you, you can. It's at least Wilcox. I put out a call out on Instagram for, hey, what do you want me to talk about on this week's podcast? And, you know, so much of what people were saying, um, although it presented differently in each of the comments, one of the consistent themes was communication. So today on the show, we're talking about how to have a difficult conversation. We are so conflict averse in our lives. You know, we think that conflict is bad. We think that conflict is going to lead to pain. And so we try to avoid it at all costs. If you haven't already listened to my my podcast on relationships and uh, specifically how to make your relationships thrive during COVID, go back and listen to that now. If you haven't yet listened to my podcast on boundaries and how to set healthy, loving boundaries, go back and listen to that now, because these are all related. They're all very, very, very interrelated. Communication is the foundation 
of our relationships. So when that communication is out of whack or fearful or timid or conversely, it's really domineering and does not allow for healthy, open communication to take place, our relationships suffer as a result. And yes, I absolutely mean your intimate partnerships. Even if you're dating, of, of course that is the key. But I, I really am talking too about those family relationships, you know, that older sibling you have or a mother-in-law, um, children, same thing, children of all ages actually, um, business relationships, friendships. Oh my gosh, I think I'm going to do an entire episode on friendships and like how adult female friendships in particular are just like really complicated to navigate. Um, but yeah, communication remains the foundation of all of our relationships. And yet it's something very few of us know a lot about. So from my lens where I sit, where I see everything through the, through the perspective of emotional intelligence, which means getting really clear on what your feelings are and even better, what your feelings are telling you. I look at communication from a, hang on a second, why is it broken? You know, why don't we feel like we can speak up? Why do we feel like we are the only ones who can speak up? Why, why, why? And when we get really clear on the why, we're given incredibly valuable feedback and information, which is great. So what we're talking about today specifically, as I said, is how to have a difficult conversation and navigate it with a lot more ease and grace. And I promise you, once you start to follow the steps that I'm going to outline, I think I have like five steps in this kind of framework or this template for how to have a difficult conversation. Once you master those skills, the, the conversations get less and less difficult as you go on. And it's a really beautiful thing. You know, if you know my story, if you've been here for a while, you know, I've had I've gone through the experience of having an abusive childhood, really painful divorce and breast cancer. And all those things considered some of the most difficult and challenging moments of my, in my life have been stepping up to have a really difficult conversation. And I, and I think that's worth taking note of that conversations open us up to so much perceived pain and perceived fear that a lot of the time we avoid having them because we're afraid of what the outcome will be. One of the hardest things we can do is to communicate not only what uh, our needs are, but what our feelings are and to really voice our concerns that, Hey, this isn't working or this need isn't being met. And I want to do something about it. You know, I love the notion that good enough isn't good enough for me. So stepping up and speaking out about that is a really difficult thing to do, especially if it feels like, um, there's an old narrative of a power dynamic that you have to fall into one or, um, one category or another. We very seldom learn how to communicate properly. We very seldom how to learn how to advocate for ourselves. And then if you're not careful, you start to get into this trap where you expect somebody else is going to speak up for you, where you expect somebody is just going to know what's on your mind. How many times have you said that in a relationship? Well, he should just know. Well, she should just know what I'm feeling, you know, even in sibling dynamics, parental dynamics, any, any relationship dynamic, how many times have you thought yourself feeling like, can you believe that he did that? He should already know what I'm, what I'm feeling in this moment, right? Like, how dare he? Well, the reality is how is anybody supposed to know unless you speak up for yourself? We build up so much resentment, so much like false resentment, because we think that somebody else is just going to step in and read our minds. And I got to tell you, 
as somebody who really very much used to believe that to be true, I will tell you through very, very many learned and painful experiences, that isn't true. Nobody's coming to save you. You have to speak up for yourself. You have to advocate for yourself. You have to find the courage to speak up for what you want. Why is it so hard to do that? Well, because speaking up for ourselves and really voicing how we truly feel opens us up to being incredibly vulnerable. And as I'm sure you know, if you've ever listened to the glorious Dr. Brene Brown, you'll know that vulnerability and rejection are two sides of the same coin. So anytime we open ourselves up to be vulnerable, we are also opening ourselves up uh, to the risk of being rejected. And as a social species who genetically, like forget generations, genetically, we are genetically programmed to belong to part of the group. So when there is a perceived fear that we could be rejected, what we are experiencing on a cellular level is fear of being rejected from the group, which basically means we're afraid of death. Okay. So when you are somebody who, you know, is coming from a a wounded place in, uh, in communication where you don't necessarily feel condition, uh, unconditionally loved and accepted, which spoiler alert, most people don't feel that way for most people that is a practice. That's okay. We can get you there. It's taking little steps like this, right? But when you, when you come from that place that, um, somebody loves you conditionally, which means you have to do something specific to earn somebody else's love, the risk of rejection feels like death. And when you, uh, I know you've probably heard me say before that the subconscious mind is designed to protect us. It's designed to sweep our environment for signs of danger. And when it perceives a sign of danger, it alerts us with perceived fear. And that fear feels like fight, flight, freeze, right? You've already experienced this in your own life. And again, that's a really good thing to be protected from danger. Um, the problem is that subconscious mind doesn't have a lot of filters on it. So once again, I will say this ad nauseum, your subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between a bear chasing you down, trying to kill you and having a hard conversation. They feel the same. They elicit the same physiological and psychological response. So yeah, Having a difficult conversation when it feels scary, when it feels like we might be rejected, basically our bodies and our physiology are being like, dude, you're going to die if you have this conversation. So no wonder it's scary. The great thing, the really, really great thing is that again, from a mindset perspective, using my NLP techniques and strategies, we can rewire your brain. We can teach your brain to think differently and to believe differently. We can teach it new filters and new perspective, new lenses to look through so that it has a better um, metric of what is actually dangerous. And one of the methods that we use to do that is to practice consciously to develop this like conscious proof so that we can then start to coach ourselves through the subconscious stuff where we can be like, hang on, this is just a difficult conversation. Nobody's trying to kill me. Um, Nobody's going to reject me. Even if they reject me, I know I am so secure in who I am. I love myself unconditionally that if this person doesn't feel that way, I know I will still be okay. Right? This is, this is what I do for a living. This is what I help people with because this is real deal human shit that we're dealing with that most people don't know how to deal with. 
So we open ourselves up to be vulnerable in a difficult conversation, which means absolutely we risk ourselves open. We open ourselves up to the risk of rejection. But if we understand that our communication skills are the foundation of our relationships, and if we understand that we are naturally, from this perspective, like kind of conflict averse, we can see the real problem. And the solution is that we can start to reframe conflict as something that's really healthy and forward moving. And I promise you, learning how to have a difficult conversation will get you there. So, you know, to help organize this information better in your brain, I've come up with a list of like five, five ways to have a difficult conversation um, that you kind of use as a template or a structure. And Honestly, this is a great takeaway for you. I, I have used this in my own life many times across many different relationships of like each relationship wearing a different kind of hat and I continue to use it. And even now after so much practice, when I know a difficult conversation is happening or is about to happen um, and is necessary to happen, I still use this method. I still use these techniques and it, it gets easier and easier because I know that it has such a successful outcome. So here we go. Um, here's how to have a difficult conversation when you reframe that conflict is not bad. Conflict is not bad. Conflict is incredibly healthy if you know how to handle it. And if you think of like a virus in your body, right? This is timely. I'm recording this during COVID. But if you think of a virus in your body, the virus is just um, like uh, your response to that virus is difficult. You know, you get a fever, you throw up, you have to run to the bathroom. There's like a, an inflammation or a swelling on your body, wherever this infection or this virus is taking place. That's a really good thing. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but it's a great thing because it's helping alleviate that toxicity from your body. Conflict is the same way. You know, I love to quote the immortal vanilla ice when I say, if there's a problem, yo, I'll solve it. And Instead of checking up the hook when my DJ revolves it, what we can do is let conflict be a sign that there is just something wrong. And we're going to take that problem and we're going to come up with a solution for it. And a conversation is a great way to go about that. So uh, step one, I want you to treat a difficult conversation like you would treat a business meeting with your team. Again, so many of my um, community members, followers, audience members, friends, peers, and especially clients, they're already killing it at work. They're killing it at work. They're already great leaders. And, you know, in their professional lives, it's a no brainer. If something isn't working on the team, they sit down, they have a meeting and they're like, Hey, I'm going to come at this from a really compassionate place. I noticed that X, Y, and Z aren't working as well as they usually do. And I'm wondering what can we do better? You know, how can I support you more? What's going on in your own personal life that might be affecting your day-to-day -day business? stuff? It's a no brainer. They can sit down and have that kind of a meeting with their team without fearing like they're going to feeling like they're going to be rejected uh, because it's what they do. They're great leaders. They're killing it at work. They know how to do it. Well, let's use that same strategy as step one of how to have a difficult conversation. Treat it like a business meeting. So what does that mean? Well, it means you're not stopping somebody in the kitchen when you're having a moment of like, I can't do this anymore, of exasperation, of total emotional outrage, right? You're not just stopping at the drop of a hat and being like, okay, here we go. We're going to hash this out right here. No, no. We're going to set a time. We're going to set a time and a date. We're going to set up like with a, a proper structure. 
um, to treat it like a business meeting. And in that meeting, if you go in with that mindset, we're just having a meeting. There is a problem. We're looking for a solution. Then, uh, we can already see how we're like setting ourselves up for success. Step two, I kind of blurred the lines here, but step two, set a proper time, set a proper time. And why we do this is again, you're not coming at it from a really emotionally charged place. Cause I promise if you do that, you will not get the out, the desired outcome. You won't. If you're too emotional, um, angry, upset, sad, well, overwhelmed, whatever. Yes. It feels good in that moment to like puncture it and just like get it out there, but it's not, it's not forward moving. It will not serve you. So treat it like a business meeting set a proper time and be like, Hey, on at Wednesday or on Wednesday at 7 PM, I want to sit down and have this conversation. This has really been weighing on my mind and I want to sit down when it's just the two of us and carve out some time. Or, you know, if it's like a, a family member, it might be, man, I've really got some things I want to talk to you about. When's a good time for you this week that we can connect on it with a phone call or over a coffee date, set a proper time. Step three, go in with an agenda just like you would in a business meeting, go in with some kind of structure for yourself. Um, a lot of my clients, uh, will recount details to me or stories, feelings of like, man, I get into these conversations and I just feel so overwhelmed. I can't even keep myself on track. Oh my goodness gracious. If you take one thing away from this, take this write out an agenda, write out a structure for yourself. Start, you know, that, that also starts to like diffuse the emotional state when you start to write it out fact by fact, um, here's the problem, here's the solution I'm hoping to get to, here's every step along the way, it becomes so rational and so cogent, there's no room for emotion, which means there's no room for drama. And if you are in one of those relationships that um, maybe you're coming at it from a more submissive place and you're, you're talking to somebody who's a little more dominant than you are. This is amazing because it keeps you on track. So even if you start to feel intimidated, I always like, I, I'm not great at arguing. I'm really not. I know that's one of my um, vulnerabilities. I'm not very good at it. So when I'm talking to somebody who has like a lawyer style personality, they can derail the conversation so easily because I, my brain doesn't work like that. My brain is, I'm a Taurus, man. I'm like so methodic about how I approach every aspect of my life that I have to go in with an agenda and I cannot believe what a valuable tool that is. Um, because again, you create this framework for yourself of here's the problem, blah, blah, blah. Here's the solution. So you go in with a proper agenda. Four, go in with that agenda, like with facts and an intended outcome. You know, the conversation might be something like once you get to your, your agreed upon meeting time, it might be something like, listen, I have been feeling that blank isn't working, or I have been feeling overwhelmed with blank. Um, lots of people right now are having these conversations in their marriages because everybody's working from home. Kids are there. Nobody's know how, nobody knows how to conduct themselves with, with all this change. And, you know, now that we're really in it six weeks later, um, we're kind of becoming aware of the fact that this isn't going away. Like we're in this for a few more months, right? We got to learn how to create systems for ourselves and really increase the flow and the ease of how our home life and work life is working. Um, and structure helps with that. So whatever the problem is that's weighing on your mind, be very open with that. You know, I'm feeling that this problem we have isn't working. It's making me feel X, Y, and Z. We never want to put the blame. Like, well, when you said this, you made me feel, no, 
you're responsible for your own feelings and your own actions, period. There is no debate. There's no question about that. Nobody makes you feel a particular way. You are in charge of your emotions. So we're going to keep all the you language out of it and focus it all on I. Well, I am feeling really overwhelmed that, you know, I'm the one who's taking care of the kids or I'm feeling really overwhelmed that I've had to reschedule three client meetings because um, it didn't work for our family. Whatever it is, you already know the example for your own life. I am feeling X and I don't want to feel like that anymore. I am asking you for your help in this situation. Something else I have found to be really, really successful, especially with, if you're talking to somebody who you don't want to talk to, maybe it's like a narcissistic dynamic. You can go in with an even tighter agenda and even tighter facts that you start, start to structure the conversation that's like, my intention for this conversation is to come up with a solution for X. My hope is that I can have a chance to speak first. And when I'm done, you'll have an opportunity to tell me how you feel. Okay. When you're going up against somebody, quote unquote, who's like really overbearing or really domineering. Laying out the framework for this is so beautiful because now nobody feels threatened. Nobody feels attacked. Nobody feels like they're under siege or being accused of anything. It's plain and simple. I am feeling like this. I am having this problem. I am hoping to come up with a solution. And my intention is that I have a turn to say my piece. And then you'll have lots of opportunity to express yourself when I'm done. Like there's no room to get angry here. There's no room to be a jackass to the person because like, it just creates such a safe place to have an open, honest conversation. So do that. Go in with your facts and go in also with an intended outcome. Even if that intended outcome is like, we need to find a solution to the problem. Cool. Maybe the intended outcome is, uh, you know, I'm having this problem and I've already come up with this solution, which I think is, I'd really like us to work towards. You might know it, you might not, but regardless, go in knowing your why. Step five, stay focused on that why. When you get into a conversation that is going to be difficult or you think is going to be difficult, sometimes it goes off the rail because it becomes a pissing contest. It becomes a battle of wills and ego about who's been hurt more or who can be more right or who has been more wronged. That will not serve you. That's bad conflict. That's conflict that does nothing for you other than hurts everybody's feelings and makes you get louder and more volatile. It's stupid. Like plain and simple, it's just stupid. Instead, when you are very focused on the why of the conversation, it's so easy to see that you're only having this conversation to move forward with a solution. And when you move forward with a solution, everybody wins. Again, this is such a no brainer. It's so, it's so much simpler than we think it's going to be because we just don't ever stop and, and like, Focus the awareness on what's actually happening. If you go in intending that you're going to win, you're doing it wrong. Go in with the intention of solving a problem, of moving forward, of working through this together. And I have had some difficult relationships in my life, and this has not been a perfect system in some of those particularly difficult relationships, but I will tell you even with some of those narcissistic dynamics, this is actually a method that works. And if you don't get, again, the, man, we should do an episode on narcissism too, but like true blue, not like, oh, he's such a narcissist, but no, like true blue, here's what a narcissistic dynamic looks like. Um, anyway, if you're in one of those, okay, maybe if you're getting into that, like, 
abusive dynamic, this might not get you to your desired outcome necessarily. However, it will start to open up communication in a different way in which you feel like you are advocating for yourself. And frankly, I feel like that's a win. For a normal, healthy dynamic between like normal, healthy grownups, this five-step like structured system is such a beautiful gift that I can give to you to empower your own life and your own relationships. So to recap, when you think you need to have some kind of difficult conversation with somebody, we're going to go through these five steps. One, treat it like a business meeting. Two, set a proper time and meeting place. Three, have an agenda that has a structure. Four, go in with facts and an intended outcome. And step five, stay focused on the why, which is always to move forward with the solution. Um, I would love to know how you're able to implement this in your own life. If you want, you know, you connect with me on Instagram. You can reach out to me via my website, which is just in the process of being redone. Um, but my email address is lease at gmail.com. So L-E-I-S-S-E at gmail.com. I would love to know real life examples from you about how you've taken this five-step method of how to have a difficult conversation and applied it in your own life. Once again, I can't stress this enough. Yeah, this might feel scary at first. And the reason it feels scary is because your subconscious mind is doing all kinds of cartwheels in there being like, alert, 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 alert. You can do this. You have to teach yourself that it's safe to do this. The only way out is through. This will not become an easy thing for you to do unless you actually practice it. So practice it. You know, don't feel like you have to run away from conflict. Reframe conflict to, to work for you and to act in such a way that whatever that conflict is, you are using it to come out as a better better version than you had before. So repurpose, reframe that conflict into being something that really moves you forward. And again, treat that conversation like a meeting, set a proper time and meeting place, have an agenda with a structure, go in with facts and an intended outcome and stay focused on your why, which is to move towards a healthy solution. There you go. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> um, if you have gotten value from this podcast, please, please, please leave a review, leave a, um, uh, a rating. Um, I'm really intentional about getting this uh, podcast into top 10 on iTunes. Um, a couple of my peers, mentors, friends, They've both made the featured list on iTunes. Uh, that's the You've Got This Mama podcast and the Great Canadian Woman, the Great Canadian, ugh, Great Canadian Woman, rather. I'm a guest on both of those. And as soon as I saw those pop up on iTunes, my subconscious mind is going into overdrive of like, I want that. And I feel like I've now had the conscious proof that it's totally a possibility and I want it. <laughs> So I want you to help me get there. Leave a review, leave a rating. It all helps um, move my podcast up um, to get access to more people because really more people need to hear this, right? Um, along that same line, I can't believe I didn't tell you this at the beginning. Um, you know that I wrote a book. I wrote a book proposal during chemo and now the, and now the book is coming out. Um, this is so real. It's happening so soon. I'm opening up 
early pre-sale in May. My birthday is May 11th and I'm really intentional about having it live for May 11th, which also happens to be Mother's Day. Um, this is a super high impact book. It is it is a user manual. It's a guide. It's the guide that I wish I had had when I was going through so much transition in my life. And um, you're going to love it. So stay tuned for that. It's coming up, yeah, um, as I said, by May 11th. And it'll be available for pre-sale on my new site, leesblocox.ca. Listen. Again, thank you so much for being here. I hope that you're managing in Life 2.0. If you ever have any questions or concerns, please just ping me. I am here to support you. Um, I'd love to work with you one-on-one. -on -one. We can chat about that specifically, what it would look like specifically for you with me supporting you, getting to your own next level, especially since now is kind of the time to focus on what that next level looks like for you as everything else around you has kind of changed from how we knew it. Uh, so yeah, that's that. I think you're the bee's knees. Uh, be well. Stay awesome. Thank you. By all means, learn from the past. Prepare for your future. But ultimately, you have to live in the now. It's fascinating when you just focus on, you know, imagining what the highest version of yourself would do. And then you start to act as if you already are that person. You can watch it transform your behavior right now. We did it. <laughs> Let's go get some tacos. <laughs> <laughs>